0: Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be walking in liberty. Let's begin in the book of Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians 5, beginning in the first verse, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you, that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased, I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another." As Christians, we need to celebrate the unique independence and liberty that we have in Christ. Far too many times we take it for granted. In America, as in many other places in the world, we enjoy independence and freedom as a national standard. America was built off of the principles of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, all of which are Christian principles. Although America has never been perfect, It has always been a beacon of light and freedom to the world. The gospel has been allowed to be preached freely in this nation and to flourish here with virtually no persecution. Many of us listening today have experienced firsthand the freedom that America offers. And whether people realize it or not, they're extremely blessed to live in America. The same can be said of any of the other free countries all around the world. This freedom that we enjoy Here in this world is natural freedom, which is great, but it only goes so far because it's temporal in nature. People also need to have spiritual freedom. This is the truest form of freedom because it's not just for the here and now. It's for all of eternity. This is the liberty that Paul is speaking of here and that Jesus came to bring us. There is no freedom more important than spiritual freedom. We must understand the freedom that we've been given. Real spiritual freedom begins with surrender. If you could summarize all of Christianity into one word, it would be surrender. This is what takes place when we are born again. We surrender our lives in service to him. We go into covenant with him, and he in turn gives us his grace and the liberty that comes with it. Instead of being born into the bondage that the world offers, we are born again into the liberty that Christ died to bring us. Surrender is the starting point of our freedom, but this fact reveals the unique nature of spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom is a paradox, which is within a larger pattern of paradoxes that run all throughout scripture. The paradox is that although it is a type of freedom, it is not rooted in independence, but rather in dependence. Freedom is a noun, defined as a state of exemption from the power or control of another. This is not the case with spiritual freedom. We are not free because of our independence from God, but because of our dependence on him. Natural freedom is the opposite. America is free, not because we're dependent on Great Britain, but because we're independent from them. Dependence on someone is based on being surrendered to them to some degree. Our level of dependence and our level of surrender are directly related. Since we need to be totally dependent on God, we need to totally surrender to Him. God is independent. He is freedom personified. He is not dependent on anyone or anything, which is why we find our freedom in Him and why He is the only source of true freedom. We find our independence in that we are now independent from our old fallen sinful nature. Liberty is a synonym of freedom. It's a noun meaning freedom from restraint in a general sense and applicable to the body or to the will or mind. Paul, after speaking about liberty in Galatians 5 and 1, then says to the Galatians in verses 7 and 8, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Hindrances are completely antithetical to liberty. God will never use hindrances against us. That's contrary to his character and contrary to the liberty that he has bestowed on us. The devil uses hindrances against us because he tries to steal our liberty. He wants to bring us back into bondage so that we forsake the liberty that we've been given. When we live in liberty, we have the freedom to overcome hindrances to our liberty. Instead of giving in to them, we don't have to give in. We have another option. When we refuse to give in, that's how we stand firm in our liberty. Verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Far too many Christians get entangled and brought back into bondage. The most common way that this takes place is by Christians falling back into legalism. Verse 4 says, Christ has become of no effect unto you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. This doesn't mean that now they somehow lost their salvation and were doomed for hell. Fallen from grace meant that they fell back into legalism. Legalism brings about bondage and fear and punishment, all of which are contrary to freedom. Legalism puts all the pressure on the self. Instead of giving people the freedom to cast their burdens on Christ and the trust in him, For their righteousness. This is the amazing aspect of the covenant of grace. It allows us to have perfect freedom because we no longer have to trust ourselves in our fallen human nature for our righteousness. We can trust in God Himself as a source of our righteousness. Verse 5 says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Our role is not to be in bondage by the law, but to fulfill the law. Verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We fulfill the law through our love, and love will naturally manifest if we allow our character to be conformed to the character of Christ. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in the 17th verse. It says, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Through his life, lived in perfection, Jesus gave us the freedom to trust in him instead of ourselves for righteousness. This doesn't mean, however, that the law ceases to exist or to apply. The law is still there. We are just no longer in bondage to it. If followed, the law still keeps us from the things that are spiritually and physically harmful to us. The law is beneficial to model our conduct after, but it is no longer our source of righteousness. That is the part that has changed. That role was taken by Jesus, who didn't destroy it, but fulfilled it on our behalf so that we could be free. Legalism is a trap to avoid falling into. If we do, we forfeit our freedom. Legalism is an extreme at one end of the spectrum. But we must also beware of the extreme at the other end of the spectrum, which is licentiousness. Verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. 1 Peter 2.16 tells us as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. This is the opposite of legalism, but possesses the same danger. Licentiousness is at the opposite end of the spectrum. Licentiousness is defined as a noun, meaning excessive indulgence of liberty, contempt of the just restraints of law, morality, and decorum. It means that we take license to do whatever we want using the excuse that we're free from the law and God will forgive us. The danger of this mindset cannot be underestimated. There is an old saying that says, law is the God of wise men. Licentiousness is the God of fools. Where liberty exists, law must also exist. Otherwise, freedom devolves into anarchy. A society subjected to anarchy and lawlessness is not really free. They are just as worse off as a society subjected to tyranny and bondage. The society under tyranny is like the Christian under legalism, and the society under anarchy is like the Christian under licentiousness. Both are dangerous extremes that we should avoid. We must have some law and restrictions in order to have true freedom. We have to avoid a famine of law and an abundance of law, we need to strike a balance. Civil liberty is defined as the liberty of men in a state of society or natural liberty so far only abridged and restrained as is necessary and expedient for the safety and interest of the society, state, or nation. A restraint of natural liberty, not necessary or expedient for the public, is tyranny or oppression. Civil liberty is an exemption from the arbitrary will of others, which exemption is secured by established laws, which restrain every man from injuring or controlling another. Hence, the restraints of law are essential to civil liberty. The liberty of one depends not so much on the removal of all restraint from him as on the due restraint upon the liberty of others. We learn from this that law is inseparable from true freedom. If we gave murderers the freedom to kill, everyone else, in turn, becomes less free. There must be a balance. The same holds true of spiritual liberty as well. There is a law within spiritual freedom. James one and twenty five says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, This man shall be blessed in his deed. The word for law used here is the Greek word nomos, which according to Strong's Concordance is used of the law in Scripture, divine law or force impelling to action, with emphasis on the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of Scripture, or any system of religious thinking or theology, especially when nomos occurs without the Greek definite article, this shows us that James is referring to divine law. The other part of the scripture that we must look at is the phrase, and continueth therein. Once we are living in freedom, we need to continue in it. We can't allow ourselves to forsake the way of liberty. The word used for the phrase, and continueth therein, is the Greek word parameno, meaning to stay near, remain, tarry, be permanent, preserve. We have to persevere in freedom. This brings us back to Galatians 5 and 1, which says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We have to press forward fervor and fervor, into the perfect law of liberty. Let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 14. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, beginning in the first verse, it says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Verse 4 in this chapter is crucial for our study. It says, And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. They had been freed from centuries of slavery and bondage in Egypt, but they weren't persevering and continuing in the perfect law of liberty. The road of freedom was getting hard, and they were prepared to forsake the freedom that they had received. The devil was sending hindrances to try to keep them in bondage. He was lying to them so that they would be deceived and be led astray. The devil told them that their lives had really been better back in Egypt and at least that they had had food and shelter there. They were deceived into thinking that slavery was better than freedom. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. They were falling for the devil's lie instead of persevering. They were right on the precipice of entering into the promised land. They were only eleven days' journey away but they chose to love bondage instead of freedom. Although they never went back to Egypt, they all died in the wilderness, and God raised up the next generation who loved and embraced freedom to go in and to possess the promised land. We have to learn from the Israelites and never forsake the perfect law of liberty. We have to persevere and continue therein. A love of bondage will only keep us back from the blessings that God wants to bring us into. The devil will use that love of bondage to hinder us and to keep us away from God's blessings. When we love freedom, on the other hand, we will be able to overcome every hindrance that the devil throws our way. The devil won't be able to successfully attack us unless we let him, and God will lead us into the blessing that he has prepared for us. Spiritual freedom is the greatest need in our world today, and the only place to find it is at Calvary where freedom was made available to us forevermore. John 8 and 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Once we have been born again, and the Spirit of God is within us, we are free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. True spiritual liberty is within us when we are born again and have the Spirit of God within us, because he himself is freedom personified. Jesus' mission was to bring freedom. Isaiah 61 and 1, speaking of Jesus, says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison doors to them that are bound. Freedom was won for us on Calvary, but we must remember that freedom isn't free. There's always a price to be paid. Jesus bought our total, eternal freedom with his blood and with his life. The price was steep. He carried all of mankind's sin on his back. He suffered and he died and spent three days in hell, separated from God, all on our behalf, so that we could be eternally free. We have to understand and recognize our freedom that God has bought for us. America's freedom didn't come free either. There are countless graves, both marked and unmarked, that are full of soldiers who gave their lives and lost their limbs and sacrificed in every other conceivable way so that we and our fellow countrymen could enjoy the freedom and the liberties that we enjoy today. And this has been the case in every country throughout the world. Soldiers have given their lives to protect their homeland and to bring freedom for their people. And we can't forget the price that was paid. Ever since the first drop of blood was shed in the American Revolution, God has raised up heroes all across this land from every background and walk of life to answer the call and to stand in the gap for us so that we could live free. Thomas Jefferson said in 1787, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots. Thomas Paine wrote in 1776 during the revolution, these are times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. Tis dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. The soldiers in the revolution stood firm in liberty and they persevered in the perfect law of liberty and they won because of that. It was their love of liberty itself that made the difference. All this sacrifice should cause us to never give up our freedoms. Our freedoms are God-given. They aren't given by man and man has no right to take them away from us. Benjamin Franklin once said, Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety— deserve neither liberty nor safety. Today we need to celebrate our liberty and give God thanks for it, both our natural freedom, and most importantly, our spiritual freedom. Today we are independent from our fallen sinful human nature and dependent on God. Our job is to totally surrender to God and to stand firm in our freedom and persevere in the perfect law of liberty. Today, in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., from every mountainside, let freedom ring. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you today for freedom, Lord God, that you have made liberty available to us through the sacrifice of your Son on Calvary. And Lord, help us to not look to man for our freedom. Man did not give us our freedom. You gave us our freedom. And our freedom is never going to come from governments or from any type of person out there in the world. It's only available at Calvary, Lord God. And direct your people, direct unbelievers to come to Calvary and to find the true freedom that only you can give us, Lord God. And help us once we have liberty and once we're living in it, to continue in it and to walk in that perfect law of liberty, Lord God. And we thank you that you're going to help us to grow in liberty and to prosper within it. And Lord, we thank you. We give you all the honor and the glory. And Lord, we worship you forever, Lord God. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to have true freedom and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven, and you ask for His free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart, and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. And if you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We also appreciate if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.